This is the Balanced Artist Podcast, where we help the purpose-driven creator's journey suck a little less and thrive a little more. Hosted by award-winning musician, TEDx speaker, and comedian, Rory Gardner. Who? We chat with experts who help level up your creative career by reframing your lifestyle as a balanced artist. Hello and welcome back to the Balanced Artist Podcast. Where the heck are you on your creative journey? You might be listening to this from your cubicle right now. You might be listening to this as you're walking down the red carpet, which is weird. I don't know why you're listening to a podcast walking down a red carpet, but chances are most of you are just at a point where like you have a creative calling, like an itch you want to scratch. Your friends tell you maybe you've got a sense of humor and you should try stand-up comedy or what will my employer think of my off-color jokes or my opinion about lifestyle topics. <laughs> maybe you bought that camera 15 years ago and with the intention of being a photographer and now it's just collecting dust. Like the technology's improved so much that those expensive lenses you bought are just a joke compared to like the pictures your iPhone can take. Maybe your creative writing has been pushed aside to raise kids. The kids frustrate you because they're taken away from your writing passion or whatever the heck it was. If only you had an outlet for your frustrations. You're telling yourself, maybe I'll just save my stand-up comedy career for after retirement because then I'll be less judged. You were probably cursed with parents who encouraged you to get like a, a normal life, like a good job, have responsibilities. You have it so tough. Here's usually how it unfolds. Okay, first you have this calling. Then comes frustration because you're already living what you thought you were supposed to do. It's like, God damn it, I was, I'm, I'm, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Now, now I'm, I got this calling that I have to answer, all right? This thing that maybe I should be doing instead of the thing that I'm doing currently. You know how it goes. Then it comes the decision to start. It's cool for a second, it's fun, it's interesting, all right? You get some momentum. And then comes the resistance, okay? You realize that it's easy to start, but now you're comparing yourself to others who have been in the game longer and you feel inadequate. You're like, do I continue or do I quit when the going gets tough? You need to ask yourself, like, not if you're good enough, but do you love it enough? If you love doing it, then why rob yourself of the opportunity to pursue it because someone else is better than you? I'm not as good at playing basketball as Michael Jordan, but it doesn't stop me from playing pickup ball like, you know, from time to time. So you made the decision to continue, but now you're not going to stand out by being better than others, but being different. All right. So you got to create your own lane because there's less traffic in that lane. How are you going to compete with the Michael Jordans out there? All right. So you got to create your own lane. There's this tennis book. It's called Winning Ugly by Brad Gilbert. He talks about how he rose to the top of the tennis game by being unconventional. So other players had traditionally better shots and you know he was just returning shots that were unexpected. So Let's just say you're 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 practicing to be a, a a tennis superstar, right? So all your life you're just you're you're getting these typical tennis shots of getting hit back at you from your training partners and stuff like that. So that's what you expect. So this guy Brad, what he would do is just create the most unconventional growth shots possibly could think of, but still controlled under some circumstance, right? Anyway, that's how that's how he won. That, that was his that was his game plan. He was unconventional. He kind of created his own lane as far as tennis skills are concerned. I personally got further in stand-up than I normally would have because I skill stacked my ability to use my music background. Okay, I use a guitar from time to time when I do my stand-up. Um, I use my business acumen. Okay, I, I like to create opportunities for myself that traditional stand-up comedians wouldn't necessarily have because I can sort of think outside the box on certain levels that maybe people are, that other people might be too tunnel vision to, to recognize. 
good examples recently. I got my foot in the door with performing arts centers, like all comedians that want to play theaters, like these awesome venues. I'm like, how the heck do I do that? How do I, how do I jump? How do I jump over the whole comedy club thing and grinding it out that way? Now I use comedy clubs to work on the material and really hone it and stuff like that. But then I can do it in these performing arts centers because I bring my guitar along and they embrace music. People that go to these typical venues are conditioned for music and theater and things like that. So if I can make my act theatrical and a bit musical, then it allows me to, first of all, it allows me to use all my skill set that I have <laughs> regardless. And then it, uh, it allows me to just to stand out. It's like this, we don't know how to, the feedback I always get is, okay, we don't know how to bill you. Are, are you a musician? Are you a comedian? What the hell? I just, I'm just sort of like a variety act. Okay. I can fill the box of musician. I can fill the box of comedian, but I just like to brand myself, I guess, as a variety act. It just leaves a question mark and you sort of create your own lane that way. So once you've figured out that you're going to take the path less traveled, the thing about that is there's less eyeballs, right? It's like if people don't know how to bill you, then chances are people don't know what to expect of you until they've actually seen you. All right. So these eyeballs that do see you, they're like vastly more interested in what you're doing because they become fans. Take a tornado just during a small town. It'll probably make national news for the people that see it, but then like they won't be as invested as the people that were directly hit in that particular town or neighboring towns. Those neighboring towns are your audience. So how can you be the tornado that makes those towns invest in what you're doing? Once you've destroyed one town, the momentum is going to pick up, wind will accumulate, bodies of water are going to want in on the action. Okay, so now you're no longer a tornado, you're a hurricane. You're destroying cities. You're still making national news, but now they're more interested or invested because there's a chance that you could make it to their neck of the woods and make a direct impact on their lives. I feel like I'm losing you with these weird natural disaster analogies, but we're going to we're going to keep going cuz I I've I've committed too far now. You can decide at this point if you want to continue to take over the world or stay content where you are. But by this point, your old employer and the people that have doubted you up until this point, they're going to start talking about how they met you. They're like, I used to know this guy back when blah, blah, blah. You know what's funny is um, a friend of mine, no, a friend of my son's, the kids are into like WWE, like the, the professional wrestling or whatever. My son has a figurine of a wrestler. So his friend's dad used to work with this guy, like this, this WWE guy. He's like, I, I, uh, <laughs> that's Tony. I used to, I used to work with him in the old office over here. And it's, it was just, and it's funny. So he tells people that he used to know him and that's exactly what's going to happen to you when you become a professional wrestler or whatever. So now you start questioning yourself. Like your life is overwhelmed with what you created. You no longer have time for normal things. You feel guilty that your loved ones don't spend as much time as you, you know, you, you did before. I get that all the time when I'm away. I get these this dad guilt feeling. It's like, oh my God, my kids are being raised without me. You question it. Like how much do you love your craft? Because now you do it all day, every day, and it's consuming your entire life. So the thing that you wished you could do forever is now the thing that you're sick of doing. You start thinking, I'm exhausted of all this travel and excitement. So maybe you're a comedian who just wants to start a podcast so you can consistently do something that's, you know, you don't have to get on a plane to do. Maybe you're a movie star who wants like a TV show that's really close to home because you can tuck your kids in at night. Or you're a singer whose music is no longer fulfills them, so they want to dabble in philanthropy, you know, or so they lease office space. They get a team together, they start doing charity work. So what you end up craving after this big show is basically a job. Something predictable, something consistent, and not really infringing on your life or well-being. You start thinking about the good times when you had a job. You weren't happy, but at least life was easy, right? 
Now you have millions of dollars and fans, but somehow not happy. Jim Carrey's got that quote, I wish everyone could become rich and famous so they could realize that that's not the answer. What is the answer? I mean, it's different for everybody. So to determine what it would look like for you as an independent artist now, perhaps start at the end and then work backwards. Like what problems would celebrity status solve for you? Let's take health, for example. Would it make you healthier? No, I would argue that the stress would be harder on your nervous system. When I travel, like my diet's all screwed up because I'm eating airport food and whatever the hell it is. Like, it's like, what can you implement in your life today that will make a better contributor to your health? And why is that so important? Have you heard the expression, a healthy person has 1,000 wishes and a sick person has one? How are you going to do anything without your health? Okay, take money, for example. Would celebrity status take away your money problems? You've heard the expression, more money, more problems. That's a legit thing, okay? You just elevated the problems. So you don't need a million dollars to solve your money problems. You just need your basic needs met and just a little bit more for your lifestyle you want to create. In fact, being money-driven may be distracting you from creating your best work. Would you give the art the responsibility of funding your life? It's like asking your kids to pay rent. The art is your baby. And are you gonna, what, are you going to ask your toddler to get a job? It's up to you to create sustainable cash flows so that you can base your lifestyle around that. And that cash flow doesn't need to come from your creativity. The goal here is to integrate art into your life to amplify your well-being. What about love? Would celebrity status, you know, give you the love that you desire? Like everybody wants to fall in love, okay? But being famous is not how you find a suitable partner. Have you seen how long Hollywood marriages last? Like you don't need hot arm candy. You need a life partner. Someone who'll support your creative endeavors and not resent them because it takes them away from their needs. An independent person who lets you do their thing. You know, that that special person's like, oh, we got things handled here. Go kill it. Do your thing. Okay, that foundation gives you the confidence to exceed at what you, to levels that you originally didn't think were possible. The ones who've taken the biggest risks have the most stable home life. It's hard to take big swings when you're lonely and vulnerable. <laughs> you know what I mean? So what about validation? Would celebrity status give you that virtual hug that you've been craving? Like that big F you to the people who doubted you along the way? Wouldn't that feel nice? But the truth is, it's like they're not really giving you a second thought. They aren't living their lives on the basis whether you make it or not. Shame on them for not believing in you, but don't use that as a purpose for wanting to hit new levels. Okay, Your growth as an artist should be organic and you should be embracing the journey along the way. Your revenge is the fact that you get to wake up every morning and do something you love while they slave away at whatever it is they that brings them joy or they think brings them joy for that matter. Remember, the people talking poop about you generally aren't doing better than you. It's just maybe them projecting their own insecurities or feelings of inadequacy. Whether or not you're doing what it is that you want to do or have, have, even if you're doing it and you have nothing to write home about, just making the decision to take a step in that direction is pr pretty much a ballsy move. I'm not saying don't value accomplishments. Like I value achievement to measure my own significance. Okay, we all do. But realistically, the only people who value those trophies on your shelf are you. Have you heard the expression, you can't take it with you when you're gone? So instead of focusing on that, focus on how you can create a balanced life. It sounds way less sexy than superstardom. I get it. In my opinion, the price of not trying at all is worse than trying and failing. Like you're thinking to yourself, like, what if I try to succeed my entire life and I never make it? Will I have wasted my life? Well, no, you're living the life. And that's the whole point. Like any old billionaire that you've ever seen profiled has said that they would trade all their wealth to be in their 20s again. So time is more valuable than the things that you perceive celebrity status will bring you. 
So instead of trying to change things outside of your control, figure out how you can optimize the things you can control right now. You can't build a secure house without a foundation. So now that you're ready to scratch that itch that we were talking about 15 minutes ago, hopefully this gives you a little bit more perspective of what the whole picture looks like, how you can envision you know, what the end looks like and then move backwards. Okay, there, there really is no finish line. Don't ask me, ask Jim Carrey. Okay, so now that you know that there's no finish line, no real winners, just the game itself, it makes it a little easier to step onto the playing field. If this episode has impacted you in any way, feel free to share it with a friend or someone that you think is going through some sort of a weird, itchy, scratchy situation right now and may benefit from hearing a different perspective. I love you. Good luck. That's all we've got for this episode of the podcast. We have new shows every week, so remember to hit subscribe and share this episode with anyone you think could benefit from becoming a balanced artist. 